As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Well, good morning once again. So as you can, like I was who said, pastor's out of town. So he called me, he texted me on Wednesday while I was at work and asked me to call him. And he asked me to fill in for him. So here we are. So today we're going to be talking about Samson. Samson's a wonderful, awesome Bible character. And if you really get into Judges, you are going to see one of the most violent books that I have seen in the Bible. I mean, if you were to make this part of the Bible, a movie, you would have to have somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or maybe if you've ever seen the movie Taken with Liam Nelson, just, just play the character of Samson. Samson was just this buff dude. He was just, he was so strong. God ordained him, and God gave him super strength. So let's see, what do we know about Samson? Here's what we know. Samson, first, he was a Nazarite. What is a Nazarite? A Nazarite is somebody who is set apart from birth. God ordained him from birth to be set apart and to help deliver the Israelites. When Samson's mother was pregnant, an angel showed up to her and said, God ordained your son to be a Nazarite. These are the three things that you cannot do and that he, as a Nazarite, will not be allowed to do. One, he wasn't allowed to drink any alcohol. It actually says so far that they weren't even allowed to have any fruit off the vine. So he couldn't have grapes or raisins because of how alcohol messes with the mind. Two, he couldn't touch anything unclean. So what do we mean here? He couldn't touch dead animals. He couldn't touch dead people. He couldn't even come close to them. And three, he could never cut his hair. From birth all the way through his life, he had to let his hair grow. And that was his outward sign of being a Christian, of being a follower of God. Sort of like how Miss Leslie was talking today about her bracelet, how she puts it on. Or we, we put on something that says WWJD. Or we put on a cross. That's our symbol of saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of God. Well, Samson's was that he couldn't cut his hair. What else do we know about Samson? Samson, like I said, was incredibly strong. He was a wild man, so he was an outdoorsman. He loved being outside and in the wild. But Samson had a few problems. First, he had an anger problem. He got very angry multiple times where he killed many, many people. Two, he also had a lust problem. He always looked at things and said, I want that. I have to have that. I deserve that. And three, he was pretty prideful. What else do we know? Here are some of the things that Samson did. As we look in Judges 14, verse 6, he tore apart a lion with his bare hands. Talk about a wild man, incredibly strong. I mean, we look at the story of David and how he killed animals with a slingshot. But think about it. To be able to tear apart a lion with your bare hands, that's some strength right there. Second, he caught 300 foxes tied their tails together two at a time, lit them on fire, and sent them off in the fields of the Philistines. Anger problem. 
And third, he killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And then he went even further to make fun of them. He actually said, with a jawbone of a donkey, I killed them because they are a donkey. That's pride right there. Those are some of the pretty amazing things that we see Samson did. But he also had his faults. One, he married a Philistine woman. As a Nazarite, he was not supposed to go into things that were unclean. Not saying that she was dirty, but she did not believe in the God that you and I worship. She believed in worshiping false gods, false idols. Right there should have been the line. He shouldn't have even been associating so close to a Philistine that he'd want to marry them. You start associating with people who believe in false gods, you may think that you may be able to win them, but that's not Satan's plan. Satan's plan is to draw you away from God. Two, he threw himself a keg party before the wedding. And that's where his pride came in. He said, I know I'm not allowed to have alcohol, but you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to drink. It's there for everybody else. But he fell and he drank. Second thing that he did wrong against his Nazarite vow. And the third thing, he touched something that was unclean, as we also see in Judges. The lion that he tore apart with his bare hands, he tore that apart on his way to marry this Philistine woman. On his way back, there were bees all over it that had made honey. He scooped up the honey and ate it. He went near that lion, that dead carcass, that was unclean. Another thing that was forbidden from him. So here we see Samson taking small steps into big destruction. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just ask now, Lord, in these next few moments that we have here to get into your word, Lord, we ask that you show us, Lord, something from it. We ask that through the story of Samson that we can realize how though sometimes we may fall, but there is always an opportunity to get back up and to turn around and serve you, Lord. We ask that you, that you come into this service and just bless us this day. In your name, amen. So first, like we said, you know, Samson had a lust problem. He said, I want it. I deserve it. The second thing he said was he was prideful. Like he threw himself that party. So today we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 15. And we're going to read the last two verses of Judges 15. So we're going to read verses 19 and 20. And this is right after Samson killed the thousand Philistines with the jawbone of the donkey. So what happened, what led up to this, was Samson had married that, that Philistine woman. He got angry at her because he told, he told the guys a riddle during his reception. It lasted seven days. He told them something like, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger? And they didn't know the answer. He said, if you tell me the answer, you, uh, I will give you 30 pieces of linen. But if you don't, you have to give me it. So they went to Samson's wife, and they coaxed her, they talked her into getting the answer out of her. She went to Samson and said, tell me the answer. He says, I haven't even told my own parents. Why should I tell you? She said, you don't love me. His pride came and said, of course I love you. She goes, then tell me the answer. He was weak. He loved her. He lusted after her. So he told her the answer. They came to him and told him. He was mad. So he left. When he went back to his wife, his father-in-law said, What? I thought you hated her. You left. You were gone for months. 
I've already given her away again. Maybe you can have her sister. He said, no, I will get my revenge. That's when he lit the foxes on fire. And then, since he lit their fields on fire, they killed his wife and his father-in-law. Again, his anger problem came into play. So that's when he went out and killed the thousand Philistines. And he's out in the desert. And here's what it says in verse number 19 of chapter 15. It says, Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi. Then water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he was revived. And he turned back to God. He again got his strength. And the Bible says that he was revived. So the spring was called an Herkor, and still there in Levi. In verse 20 says, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the day of the Philistines. Let's pause there for a moment. Let's look at this verse. If you're not careful, you can read right past verse 20, which is pretty much the best news that we've heard in this whole story of Samson. After everything that he'd done wrong, after he broke two of his Nazarite vows, he turned back to God and he led Israel faithfully for 20 years. For the next 20 years, he served faithfully as that judge over Israel. But we're going to watch as tragically this guy, who things were going so well, he was serving God, honoring him, and doing what he was supposed to be doing. We're going to watch as he makes poor decisions, one after another. And we're going to watch at the end of the story, where he ends up with his eyes gouged out, standing in the front of the Philistines, the laughingstock in front of all his enemies. He did not do this all at once. Samson did this one step at a time. And that's how many of us Christians do it. We don't plan to ruin our lives all at once. We do it one step at a time. But the awesome story is where Satan loves to make strong Christians weak, God loves to make weak Christians strong. Let me say that again. Satan loves to make strong Christians weak, but God loves to make us weak Christians strong. So we're going to go down into chapter 16. We're going to pick up the story. It says, then went, then went Samson. Another version says, one day, one day, Samson went to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went unto her. One day. So let's see, we don't just have 20 good years and then all of a sudden just one day. One day he decides to go and get a harlot, a prostitute, just like King David as it says later on in the Bible, it says, one day, when kings were out doing what they should be doing, fighting the war, David, one day, looked upon Bathsheba and saw her and lusted after her. That's just, one day, you just, it just happens. And it just, one day, when men can start making, when we as Christians can start making bad decisions and lead us into a step-by-step downward spirit, And we're going to watch as that happens. So one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went to spend the night with her. In verse 2, And it was told the Gazites, which these are the Philistines, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed in him and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. Now let's think about this. We know Samson is not the best of friends with the Philistines. 
He's lit their fields on fire. He's killed a thousand of them. But he decides to go into enemy territory. How many times do we as Christians decide to go into enemy territory? He traveled 25 miles and risked 20 years of faithfulness. Now that raises the question, who would be so stupid to risk so much for something so little? The answer is we do. We as Christians, we do it all the time. I've seen it. I've seen pastors ruin their marriage. I've seen them ruin their church for a quick fix, for a quick high, for that quick little sin. Now let's think about this. 25 miles. So I ask myself, how many steps is 25 miles? 56,250 of these. He walked to get that little quick fix. He didn't do it all at once. He did it one step at a time. Samson had 56,249 steps to decide. This is stupid. What am I doing? I'm ruining my life. I'm breaking my vow with God. And that's how we do it. We don't plan to mess up our lives. I've never heard somebody say, especially a Christian, you know what? My 10-year goal is to become, you know what? Broke. I mean, not just a little broke, mega broke, embarrassingly broke. You know what we do is we say, oh, boat, car, golf clubs, computer, maybe giant TV. Oh, you know what? I can't balance my checkbook, but I'll start my own business. Maybe that'll get me out of it. No, it happens one step at a time. I've never heard somebody say, you know what? I've got a great life. I've got a great marriage. I've got some wonderful kids. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to go mess around with somebody else. I'm going to take a few days off work without calling in. You know what? No. We do it one step at a time. So what I want to show you is Samson's small steps to big destruction. We see three things here that he did. The first thing is that Samson taunted his enemy. Again and again, he taunts the Philistines. We're going to look at verse 3. It says, But Samson lay there. So he's with this harlot. And he lay there till midnight, and arose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all. And he puts them on his shoulders, and carries them to the top of the hill, but before, that is Hebron. Now what did he do? So he's with this girl. He knows he's in Philistine territory. He goes, you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm going to go out at night. I'm going to take their doors, I'm going to rip them off, and as I'm walking away, I'm pretty much flipping off the Philistines saying, you think you're safe? You're not safe. Look at me. I've got your doors. Now, you've got to remember, at this time, most of the cities were surrounded by a wall to keep them safe, to keep them from their enemies. Not anymore. He just tore those doors right off. And these weren't just simple doors like this. No, it is estimated that these doors weighed about 700 pounds each. So he ripped them off and carried them on his back, which is kind of how I like to work out during the week, you know. 700 pounds, look at this, you know. But that's how, you know, we underestimate our enemy. We taunt them all the time. It says that our enemy roars around like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. Satan just doesn't want to hurt you a little. 
He wants to devour you. In case you're wondering what the lion comes from, in case you're new, lion comes from the cat family. So Satan roams around like a lion, which is in the cat family. So cats, in my mind, equal evil. I mean, I think that's what it's trying to say there. Just, just Satan. Satan, cat, evil. So we taunt and we underestimate our enemy all, our, all the time by putting ourselves in the place of temptation over and over again. You know, maybe you're financially strapped. You're like, eh, I'm just going to go walk around the car a lot. Just going to go walk around the mall. I know I can't afford it. You're taunting the enemy. You're putting yourself in a place of temptation. And here's the deal. A lot of us think we're okay. But the Bible says in Colossians 10, verse 12, it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Again, if you think that you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Don't put yourself in a place of temptation. Chances are, if you put yourself in that place of temptation over and over again, you're going to become weak and become more weak Eventually, you're going to fall. The second thing that Samson did, he rationalized the same old sin. This is the third time we're going to see him getting with a Philistine woman, somebody who did not believe in the one true God, somebody who worshipped idols. Verse 4, it says, And it came to pass afterward, that after he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Every time I think about this song, I think of, you know, dedicating a love song to somebody, you know. Delilah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know Delilah on the radio. But here's what's happening. The third time he's messing around with a Philistine woman. Christians, we're often masters of rationalizing the same old sin. We are. We're like, this is just my one thing. This is just my one little thing that I do. It doesn't matter. I do so much good for the cause of Christ. Why can't I have... One thing for my escape. One thing that, you know, I do behind closed doors. It doesn't matter. I go to church. My hair's still long. No. We rationalize the same old sin. What happened in verse 5? The Bible says, And the lords of the Philistines came unto her. So they went to Delilah and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. By what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. So they bribed her. They went to her and said, you know what? Hey, find out why Samson is so strong. Look what he done to our people. He's mocked us, he's made fun of us, and he's killed us. Find out what makes him so strong. And we're going to give you 1,100 pieces of silver each. We don't know how many lords there were, but in commentaries that I read, it said that there was $750,000 in today's terms is what they paid her to try and get the secret. So you can read the rest of the story in verses 6 through 14, but we're going to give, I'm going to give you the short version of it. So Delilah goes to Samson. She goes, tell me the strength, tell me the secret of your strength. And he says, well, 
If you get seven straps, yes, take seven straps and tie me up. I will be as weak as any other man. So what does she do that night? She gets seven straps and she wraps them around him and ties them up. And at night, she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. And he wakes up and he breaks out of the straps and the Philistines run away. They seen that wasn't it. They seen that he still had his God-ordained strength. So she goes to him and she says, you lied to me. Tell me the secret. He says, okay, okay. It's seven brand new cords, brand new ropes. If you tie me up with them, I will be as weak as any other man. So at night she does the same thing. She ties him up. She brings the Philistines in. She goes, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. And what does he do? He wakes up and he breaks out of them again. And they run off. She's getting pretty angry at this point after being lied to twice. She goes, tell me again. Tell me the real thing. He says, you know what? It's in my hair. So he's getting close, but he's not telling her everything. He says, if you take my hair and you weave it in and out of a fabric, so in and out of a blanket, and stick it with this pin, I will be as weak as any other man. We know Samson is pretty stupid from going into Philistine territory, but how stupid. Stupid does Delilah have to be to think that if I put your hair in a blanket? I, I, don't even, I can't even imagine. Why would you put your hair in a blanket? Weave it in and out of the fabric and stick it with a pin. So at night, she does it. Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. Wakes up, tears it off, and they run off again. Delilah is pretty angry at this point. She's like, that's enough. I want to know. Look at verse 15. So she says to him, How can you... <clears throat> Sorry, my woman voice isn't working too well. Let's just imagine. She says, How can you? I love you. Why won't you confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your strength. Now, we this happened before, back when he was with the other Philistine woman. When she said to him, you say you love me, but you won't tell me the answer to the riddle? Delilah says, you love me, but you won't tell me your secret to your strength? It's like, you know what? You're right, I do love you. It's where his pride and his lust comes in. He's probably thinking, if I don't tell her, she's going to leave me. Pride and lust. So ladies, if you're feeling a little convicted because this whole story is about Samson, about getting him convicted... This next verse, we dedicate to you. If you're saying, Luke, sock it to me. Give me something convicted about. Let's look at verse 16. It says, And when it came to pass, she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Another version says, With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Just saying, if the shoe fits... Men, how many of you have ever had your wife just nag you and nag you until you were tired to death? Yes, smart men. That, that right there, I just put out an idiot test. I just wanted to see how many of you raised your hands and how many of you were making dinner for yourself the next few days. So here's what we see. We see Samson. He was strong enough to rip a lion apart with his bare hands. He was strong enough to kill 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. 
And he was strong enough to lift that 700-pound door above his head, but he wasn't strong enough to lead a woman. Coming up in February, we're doing the Walk Worthy Conference for the men. I urge you to go. It's something wonderful. It's something that is going to make you grow closer to God so that you can know how to lead your home. Last year after we did it, we did the Courageous Bible Study, which is from the movie Courageous. Awesome Bible study, which taught us men how to lead our home courageously. And even though I am not married yet, I have learned so much from that Bible study, from that short little Bible study, on how, when I get married, that I cannot just be a leader in business or be a leader on my friends, but I can be a leader and I can be strong in my home and I will be able to lead my wife and my children. Now let's see what happens here in verse 17. It says, That he told her all his heart and said unto her, Thou hast not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite from God from my mother's womb. Remember his Nazarite vow. Don't get drunk. Don't touch anything unclean. And don't cut your hair. He said, If it be shaven, then my strength will go from me. And I shall become weak like any other man. I love it how he says that he was there from his mother's womb. He was remembering for a moment who he was created to be. There are a lot of us in this room that sometimes we forget who we are created to be. God created you to be somebody more than just somebody to sit here in a seat and take up space. He created you for a special purpose. God has ordained every single one of us in this room to be a leader somehow, to lead courageously, and to have a special bond with Him. Samson's almost glimpsing back. And he says, the, the, the secret is in my hair. Verse 19. And she made him sleep upon her knee. And she called for a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him. Check it out. Read this next part. It says, And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. As soon as that hair was all cut off, as soon as that outward sign was gone, he lost his strength. How many Christians, out of disobedience to God, are doing battle every single day with their own strength instead of tapping in to God's strength, tapping into the power that God has for you. What did he do? He didn't mess up his life all at once. He did it one step at a time. He taunted the enemy. He rationalized his sin. And three, he assumed that his disobedience would never cost him. Just like so many of us Christians, we assume, I can get away with this again. I've gotten away with it before. You know, nobody's caught me. It's never going to catch up with me. In verse 20, it says, And he said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He thought, you know what? 
I've done this three other times. I'm going to go out and I'm going to shake myself free. But he did not know at that moment that the Lord had left him. He thought, I'm going to go out just as before, just as many of us Christians do. Haven't been caught yet. It's okay. I'm not going to get caught. But we know later on it says in the Bible, it says, Be sure thy sins will find you out. Whatever you are doing, one day that is eventually going to pick up with you. One day. He did not know that things had changed. And may I say humbly, there may come a time when you have gotten away with it once and you've gotten away with it again and nobody has found out yet or nobody has held you accountable. But one day somebody may come to you and say, that's enough. You may come home and your wife or your children is going to say, that's enough. You're done. We've put up with this long enough. Or you may go into work and your boss may say, that's enough. You're done. Get out of here. And you're going to say, but I promise. You're going to say, no, that's enough. It's going to catch up with you. Because so often we get away with so much that we think we're going to get away with it forever. I'll do just like I did the last time. I'll shake myself free. But we don't realize that our sin is going to overtake us and overpower Him. Because be sure your sin will find you out. And here's the tragedy part of this chapter. In verse 21, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. They gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. So they put chains upon him and he did grind in the prison house. How did a man with so much God-given potential end up in such bad shape? He didn't do it all at once. He did it one step at a time. So here's the deal. For many of you, this may be a moment of truth. I'm going to ask you to think in your own mind sincerely. I'm going to dare you. I'm going to double dog dare you. Whatever it takes, I want you to be honest. And here's the question. Where are you stepping away from God? For some of you, you might be on step number one. For others of you, you might be on step 56,249. Here's the thing. It could be for some of you simply as saying, maybe I'm not spending enough time in God's Word. Maybe I'm not in prayer enough. You know, your hair is still long. You still got the outward sign that you're a Christian. You still wear your cross. You still come to church. But inwardly, you're nothing. For others, you could say, you know what? I want it. I've got to have it. It's the lust of this world. You know, I deserve it. For some of you, it could be pride. I can handle it. I can go out here. I know I have this problem, but I'm going to step into temptation. Little by little. And you think you can handle it. For others, it may be anger. For some, it could be passive living. Maybe you're just aggressive in so many ways, but you're not actively leading where you should. For some of you, it could be greed. You're caught up in this world, what the world has to offer. So many things out there. So many commercials and ads and TV shows that say, you've got to have this. You need this. You deserve this. But I want to challenge you to be honest and to be truthful about this. Where are you stepping away from God? Because here's the deal. Don't miss this. 
You are only strong as you are honest. Once again, you are only strong as you are honest. Where are you stepping away from God? Now I'm going to summarize this whole thing in one little moment. Here's the best picture that I can give you. If you're stepping away from God at step number one, number 500 or 56,249, if you're stepping away, here's the message. And don't miss it. It's simple and so profound at the same moment. If you're stepping away from God, what should you do? What should you do? It's easy. Turn around. Turn around and God will be right there waiting for you. We see this later on in the Bible with the story of the prodigal son. Where the prodigal son says, give me my inheritance. And he goes out and he spends it all. And he has nothing. He's left to rags. He comes home and says, Father, put me to work in one of your fields as one of your servants. He says, no. You're better than that. And that's what God is saying to you. You are better than that. It doesn't matter what step you are on. If you turn around, God will be right there waiting for you. He is that good. I'm going to show you this. This next part is the most exciting, grace-filled verse that I have found in the whole Old Testament. What you're going to do here is you're going to, you're going to find out that this outward devotion, his hair, what did he just do? He got it cut. So what is he now? He's publicly humiliated in front of his enemies. The Philistines knew that he was a Nazarite. They knew he wasn't allowed to cut his hair. And now he's there, tied up with his hair cut and weak as any other man. But here's what verse 22 says. It says, Howbeit the hair on his head began to grow again after he was shaven. What is that? That is God's grace. God said, what gives you strength will grow again if you turn around and you humbly lay down your life before God. He will give you grace and He will let your hair grow again. If you read further into Judges 16, you're going to find out the rest of the amazing story of Samson. It says, the word righteous man falls seven times. He rises again. Satan loves to make strong Christians weak. But God loves to make weak Christians strong. It's awesome. Further on in this, in chapter 16, Samson, they bring him out. They're having a party. His hair has begun to grow back. That's how long he was in prison. He had long hair again. They brought him out. They tied him to the pillars of their temple. And he said, God, let me die with the Philistines. He, God gave him his strength back. He pulled the change of the pillars that were tied to him, brought down the temple, sacrificed his life for God. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to us today in a profound way and that our hearts would be open, Lord, to what this passage of Samson has taught us, Lord. I'm going to go ahead and ask the praise team to come forward. We're going to play a... Soft little song. And as you are sitting there praying, honestly, men and women, everyone here, I've got to say, if you've stepped away in some area of your life, turn around, go back. God, I thank you today that you're showing us the loving areas of our life that you will. God, I want to thank you for your grace. 
that if we're on step one or we're on step 500, that we have the opportunity, Lord, that we have the opportunity to turn back. We know it's not too late and that Your grace is still here. I pray, O oh God, that You would give people here the courage to do not only what Your Word says to confess to You, because we know that You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and You're going to cleanse us, Lord. You're going to make us new, but that we would also confess to one another. We would confess to our spouse, Lord, or we would confess to an accountability partner because we know that if we confess our sins to one another and we pray for each other, Lord, that we will be healed. God, I pray that Your Spirit would give us the courage, the power to be honest because we know that we are only as strong as we are honest. And God, I thank You today that when we are stepping in the wrong direction, that if we turn around, we know that we will meet You because of Your grace and because of Your goodness. And as you're praying right now, you may say, you know what? My life is moving in the wrong direction. But God has brought you here today. Today you are still here. He hasn't taken your life from you yet. You still have the opportunity to turn around and come back to God. I'm telling you right now, there are those of us here who have tried to be a good person and you end up doing the wrong things over and over. You're embarrassed. You feel guilty. You say, I don't know how I got there. You got there one step at a time. And it's going to take something different. You're going to have to take a different step. You're here today to step away from your sin and to step towards Christ. Maybe you have never accepted God's grace and God's forgiveness in the salvation plan. I invite you to come down to the altar today and to lay it all down. We can show you how you can receive God's grace and how you can be made brand new. He says, I will wash away your sins. They're going to be as far as east is from the west. I'm going to toss them into the ocean and they will be seen no more. You will be brand new. There are those of you who say, that's me. I'm going the wrong direction. I need to come home. Jesus, I give my life back to you. Make me new. Today, I'm turning back to you. I ask you to stand with us. We're going to go into a song of invitation. We're going to sing, I surrender all. Today, do you surrender your all to Jesus? Are you giving everything you have to Him? Are you laying it down for Him? Let's go ahead and sing, I surrender all.